make sure you close out your home loan account before you redraw it. And once you've done a redraw, you can then point to that redraw and say that redraw has been done for an investment purpose. My advice to everybody is always, you have one loan account for your private expenses and, and one loan account for your investment expenses. Because I think that's the key lesson. The key lesson is separate accounts. You are listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to run and grow your firm. Welcome to episode 266 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. You probably have or had or will have an offset account with your home loan. And the common perception is that you can tax deduct your home loan when you use the offset account to buy an investment property. So the bank's argument is... Yes, your mortgage is all paid off, but don't close your mortgage and don't close your offset account. Keep it as it is and when you're ready to invest... You already have the loan ready to go and you just withdraw from your offset account. This saves you from going through the whole loan approval process again. So that is a common theme. But the question is, is this right? Can you really tax deduct your home loan by withdrawing from your offset account and then investing the money? This is the question Jeff Steen of Brown Redstein Lawyers in Sydney will discuss with you. The real question is, when I borrow money from the bank, under what circumstances am I able to um, claim the interest that is charged? And when you've got offset accounts, it's a big problem. And it's a, the offset account is different from a split loan. The split loans are, in fact, easier to deal with because there is a separate loan account with the bank that records the amount that is debited against the amount borrowed to buy the home or the main residence and the amount that's borrowed for investment purposes. So you've got two separate accounts. With a <laughs> offset account, you still have two separate accounts, but one is a credit account, not a debit account. So with a split loan, you basically have two loans. Correct. And those two loans are both secured by the same asset. Oh, not necessarily, but the same asset pool typically, yes. So in a split loan, you usually would have the main residence and the investment asset both in the same pool, and then both lo loans, so the home loan and the investment loan, both are secured by this asset pool. Correct. Whereas with, yes. with an offset account, you just have the main residence as the security, and you yes. just have one loan. That's right. And and the, the offset account is typically is typically a separate account. So exactly. an offset account is usually a deposit, a, a, or depending on which perspective, but a debit account, that is, you've got savings that are with the bank and you don't receive interest on those savings and the bank allows you a credit of against the interest that they would otherwise pay to apply against the interest that they would otherwise charge on the home loan. The other thing about talking about offset accounts and, and, and where it can sometimes get confusing is the concept of redraw. So a redraw is not the same thing as an offset account. A redraw is I've only got one account and I originally borrow the money to buy my main residence and then I repay faster than I normally do and then I re-borrow, I redraw on that same facility but the purpose for the redraw is to make an investment 
and that's that's again slightly different to an offset account because you only got one one account in those circumstances. We basically always have to look at three setups: offset account, split loan, and redraw. Correct. That's Good. it. Scenario one, you buy an investment asset using the funds sitting in your offset account. The home loan originally was three million and the home loan has been completely paid off. So yep. the bank received three million back. And so when you withdraw the money from the offset account, what will happen is that you are taking your cash out because it's, it's essentially money that you've deposited with the bank. And so you're not getting an interest deduction in respect of the uh, amount on the home loan account, which will then be charged because you've reduced the the offset from the other account. Yes. So if we now take the three million out of the offset account and invest it into an investment asset, yes. can I now tax deduct the interest on the home loan because I use the three million for an income producing asset? No. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and again, this is what the difference is. Party between an offset account and a redraw account or a redraw facility. So if what you do is you, 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 if you do it in two steps, so step one is I have my offset account. I, I firstly apply that offset account to repay the home loan, right? So I actually make a repayment against that home loan. And then, so the, the home loan essentially comes back to zero. So I've, I've Turn it down, and then I redraw on that home loan account to buy my investment property. Then I should be entitled to a deduction for that interest. Oh, really? I can okay. imagine a lot of people fall short of that because I think the general conception is if you clear out the offset account to buy an investment property, that the interest is tax deductible. But you are saying, no, it isn't. You actually have to completely pay off the loan, so basically close the offset account, and then you can redraw from the loan, and then you can tax deduct the interest. That's exactly right, because in an offset account, your home loan remains in place. All that you've got is a savings account. Okay. Okay. So in the very simple scenario where you have a 3 million home loan, the offset account is 3 million. You can't tax deduct the interest if you just clear out the offset account. You can tax deduct it if you close the offset account, pay off the um, loan and then redraw. And, and then a split loan, you basically split it, whatever you want to leave on the main residence, that is your home loan. And then the rest goes into a separate loan account and that is your investment Loan. Exactly. And you've got to be very careful when you do split loans that you're complying with the high court principles in Hart's case. And, and that's essentially that you need to make sure that all of the income that you're deriving from the investment is used to uh, repay the investment loan, you know, so that you don't, don't apply the proceeds of the investment income to pay down the non-deductible debt. So you can only tax deduct your split investment loan if all of the investment income goes into your split investment account. If you then use the investment income to pay off the private portion of your loan, so the home loan that's still sitting on your main residence, then you lose the tax deductibility. Yes. Now, just a slight variation of scenario one, and that is the offset account is only $2 million. So I still have one million outstanding on the home loan. Now, from what you have just said, 
the result is if I just withdraw from the offset account, nothing changes. The interest is still not tax deductible. If I pay back the 2 million, so reduce the home loan from 3 million to 1 million, then I can redraw the 2 million for investment purposes or I can split the 3 million into 1 million and 2 million, basically the scenario we just discussed. That's right. And, and again, remember, if, you've, if you're using a redraw, you're going to have to be meticulous where it's a partial redraw to, to know what proportion of repayments are then apply against the home loan and what proportion of repayments apply against the investment component. Scenario two, you buy a new main residence and rent out the old one, all financed with your offset account on the old residence. So now the next scenario is offset account of 3 million. I withdraw 3 million, but I don't buy an investment property. I buy a new main residence and rent out my old home. I think no matter how I do it, whether I do it with an offset account or a split loan or a redraw of the mortgage, I think in any of these scenarios, the interest is not deductible, correct? Because I agree with you. Good. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was quick. Scenario three, you buy an investment property financed with your offset account and a bank loan, and you use the investment income evenly to pay off all of your loans. Scenario number three, and I think it might already touch on what we just discussed, and that is I have an offset account of two million, so one million is still outstanding. I withdraw the two million, I get a three million dollar bank loan and yep. invest it in a five million dollar investment asset. So the bank loan is secured by the investment asset. The investment asset costs five million, three yep. million is financed through a separate bank loan, and then I withdraw two million from my private offset account. Yep. Now, what I have just learned from you, I assume that as long as I make the home loan a split loan or I close out the offset account for those two million and then redraw the two million, if I do that, then I can tax deduct the interest on these two million I took out of my home loan. Precisely. Yeah. And again, it's all about the purpose. What's the purpose of the borrowing? Yes. And, and you need to, when you're, you're, repaying the home loan, then you can refresh the purpose for which the borrowing, because the borrowing on that account will then be for the investment purpose. And the investment income can only be used to pay off the investment portion of any of these loans. So the investment income can't be used to repay the 1 million private loan. Generally speaking, that's correct. Scenario four, same as before. You buy an investment property finance with your offset account and a bank loan, but now you use all of the investment income to pay off the private loan only. So now scenario four, I use the investment income to repay the uh, private portion of this loan. That is a problem. It is a problem. And, and my view, and, and, and there's still a little bit of controversy about this in the tax community, but my view is probably more conservative, which is no, you know, unless you're, it, it, you treat that as the equivalent of a split loan and, and you must apply the income from the investment property to repay the on the investment loan and, and the principal on the investment loan or service that investment loan. Scenario five, same as before. You buy an investment property finance with your offset account and a bank loan, but now you sell off parts of the investment to pay off the private loan. Now, scenario five, you subdivide the investment property. So same as before, but now you subdivide the investment property, you sell off a section and you use the sale proceeds to repay the 1 million private loan. Is that 
a problem? I assume that no, because you still just use the investment income to repay the investment portion of the loans. Same issue. So what we've done is we've, in, in this case, we've got $5 million that we've essentially borrowed or, or you know, in the first case that, that we had $3 million that we've borrowed for the investment and $2 million we've got as a private loan, say. And if that's the case, we've then got our investment property, we've built a build duplex on the investment property, we've still got our private main residence and then we sell one of the duplexes. We'd have to, in order to make sure that our interest remains deductible, we would have to apply the proceeds of that sale to reduce the private the, the investment debt first. So you're saying if we now sell one of the duplex, we are not allowed to use that to pay off the one million private portion? I'm saying if you pay off the private portion, then you won't have the interest, you know, a proportion of the interest deductible carried forward. So you have to apportion your interest cost because the proceeds of sale from your original borrowing uh, have essentially been applied to reduce the private debt. So, you know, essentially it's, it's, it's a little bit like contact tracing. You know, you've got to trace through what happened to the money. Are you sure about this, Jeff? Because I think... I'm prepared to accept that I'm on the conservative side, but, you know, just think about it logically. If I borrow money, I've got a, a, an in investment asset and a private asset, and I've got an investment loan and a private loan. And if I borrow money to buy an investment asset and then sell that investment asset and use the proceeds only to repay the private debt, and I've still got my deductible debt with some of the investment asset left over, why should I be entitled to a deduction then? Yeah, I can see your point. But I, I do accept that there are, there are people in the tax community, this is a controversial issue, and there are people in the tax community that, that would disagree with me. Point taken. Scenario six, you buy an investment asset together with your SMSF using your offset account and your super. Next scenario, scenario six. So you have the home loan of three million, the offset account is three million, you withdraw three million and you buy a four million asset together with your SMSF. So you own three quarters of the asset and then your SMSF owns a quarter. Mm-hmm. Can you yep. tax deduct the interest outside of super? I would say yes. Yes. So what you're doing here is you're borrowing, if you were borrowing, which I think is one of your next scenarios, but if you're borrowing to contribute to superannuation, no deduction for the interest, that's a private expense. But if you're borrowing to co-invest with your superannuation fund, that's just an investment. doesn't matter whether it's with your super fund, your best friend, your your next door neighbour, it's still an investment. Uh, The interest is tax deductible as long as you close out your offset account and then redraw from your mortgage. Exactly. Scenario seven. You buy an investment asset with your offset account without your SMSF being involved and you subsequently sell this asset to your SMSF. In this scenario, in the scenario number seven, you have the home loan of three million, offset account of three million, you withdraw three million. Let's assume you close the offset account and you withdraw from the mortgage, you withdraw three million and you buy a three million asset. You contribute all of the investment income into super, and then the SMSF uses those contributions to buy part of this asset over time. Can you tax deduct the interest outside of super? And you've got to break this down, Heidi, because you've you've got a number of transactions happening here. But the, the first point is, so when you originally do that investment, so you've borrowed to do the investment, I'm just going to assume that the 
offset account has been managed appropriately to enable us to do it. And you know, then you're entitled to an, a deduction for the interest. So there's no issue at that point in time. But when you make the contribution of the investment income, right, so that is I've got the investment income and instead of using that investment income to repay the loan, I am making a contribution to superannuation and, and question whether I have serviced the loan in the first place. But then that calls into question, is the borrowing for the purpose of the investment or is the borrowing for the purpose of making that subsequent contribution into the fund? And, and again, the, the issue of deductibility is you look to what is the purpose of the borrowing. And to the extent that we can say the purpose can be traced to the investment, it should still be deductible. To the extent we have to say, look, we've got to apportion a bit here because that income is now being applied. Instead of you being used to repay the loan, it's now being applied to make a superannuation contribution, then it won't be deductible. The fact that the super fund uses the proceeds of that contribution to buy part of the asset is largely immaterial, but you would expect then that the proceeds of sale from the super fund would then be applied to reduce the loan. Does it matter whether the contributions are concessional or non-concessional? No. Okay. It makes no difference because the, you're not entitled to a tax deduction with one limited exception. Whether, whether the you're not entitled to a deduction for interest on monies borrowed to make a superannuation contribution. There is an exception, and, and that exception is largely based upon the idea that a sole trader can make contributions to superannuation and get a deduction if the contributions are being funded out of the general overdraft in the same way as a sole trader can get deductions for interest on monies borrowed to pay tax bills if it's out of the general um, working capital overdraft. Anybody can make uh, concessional contributions to super and claim a tax deduction? Anybody can make the contribution and claim the deduction for the contribution. The question is, if you borrow, can you claim a deduction for the interest on the amount that you borrow to make a contribution? And yes. the answer that's no. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's only a very limited circumstance and, and it's only an arguable position. Okay, side question. In this scenario, because the SMSF buys part of the asset, if the asset is property, then this scenario would incur stamp duty, correct? If the asset is real property, then there is ordinarily a stamp duty liability. In New South Wales, we have um, not an exemption, but that the duty is a fixed amount, which is $500, where you can show that the super fund has allocated that asset to the member who transferred it. And in this case, you've got to be very careful that the value, that because this is a slice proportion, so you're essentially taking this property and you're doing little bits of transfers each time, the value of the amount being transferred may still not get to the $500 ad valorem duty. So the saving for stamp duty purposes may not be that high. Yes. And by the way, this $500 cap, doesn't that just apply to in-specie contributions or does it also apply when the SMSF buys slices of the asset? It's irrelevant. It's, it's a, it's, yeah, it, it applies in both circumstances. 
Okay, good. And then just one other side question. Is there stamp duty in New South Wales when you subdivide an apartment block into single apartments? No. Now, that's assuming that you've got one owner. If you've got two owners and you subdivide, the, the subdivision itself, the registration of the plan of subdivision doesn't create a stamp duty event. But there is a potential stamp duty event if, let's say, you've, you've subdivided into six lots and, and the two owners want to take three flats each, then on the partition, there is a potential stamp duty event in New South Wales, at least, if the there is a difference in value in the aggregate lots and, and you pay stamp duty only on the difference in value. So if Peter and Paul owned the apartment block together and now they subdivide it and Peter actually gets more than Paul because... In value. One, in value. Yeah, in value because one owed the other one money or for whatever reason, then you have to pay stamp duty on the difference in value. Correct. That's exactly correct. Scenario eight. As before, you buy an investment asset with your offset account without your SMSF being involved, but now you subsequently in specie contribute this asset to your SMSF. Instead of the SMSF slowly buying parts of the asset, there's actually an in specie contribution every time. So slowly the individual contributes, in specie contributes parts of the asset into the fund. I assume it comes back to the same question. Is the loan to make contributions or is the loan to finance an investment asset? The, the principle is if you are borrowing money to make a contribution to superannuation, the interest on that borrowing will not be deductible. But if you borrow to make an investment, then the interest should be deductible. One quick question. An in-specie contribution, and this is a side question again, an in-specie contribution, can it be partly concessional and partly non-concessional or can it be either or or does it always have to be non-concessional? It does not always have to be non-concessional. The, the issue about when you're making an in-specie contribution obviously is the valuation and you've also got to make sure in superannuation land that it's a permitted acquisition. But once you get through those points because you know some of the things that we've been talking about in terms of um, property going across we've just ignored the fact that a superannuation fund cannot buy residential property from a member or a relative of a member or a part eight associate of a member the the, the issue here is it, it doesn't matter when you're making the contribution in it, it doesn't matter whether it's concessional or non-concessional the, the, there's not it's not necessary to distinguish and in some cases you can do both That is, you, you make your in-specie contribution of, let's say, a value of $100,000 and you say, right, uh, the first $25,000 of that is going to be treated as concessional and the remaining $75,000 will be the first $75,000 of non-concessional. And then just confirming, an in-specie contribution doesn't have to consist of the entire asset. Of course, you can just in-specie contribute part of an asset. Yes, and it gets back to that same issue about what's the valuation of what has been contributed. But contributing part of an asset is okay. The only real challenge there is you're making sure that the contribution is going and it's it's an unencumbered asset that's going across and that you, you're not attempting to do something with vendor finance where the super fund doesn't have the ownership of the relevant asset. But, you know, all of those things need to be done with, with caution and care and, you know, preferably complying with the practical compliance guidelines issued by the ATO. 
And sorry, two more questions about in-species contributions that are going a little bit off track. An in-species contribution triggers capital gains tax, correct? Correct. It's a capital gains tax event. Yes, exactly. So the individual will have a capital gains tax event and then the SMSF receives the in-species contributed asset at the new market value cost base. Correct. Okay. And then last question. Does an in-species contribution incur stamp duty? And I think you already answered that question. And because the answer is no, apart from the $500 flat fee. It's no, again, assuming that you qualify. That is that you've you've made, satisfied the revenue authority that the super fund will hold the contributed asset for the member that made the contribution. If you can't do that, then normal duty will apply. And and I'm really only talking about New South Wales provisions here because I'm not as familiar with how the duty exemptions may work in other states. Okay. And now we come to scenario nine. Scenario nine. You withdraw your offset account and contribute the funds to your super and your SMSF, then buys an investment asset. And you you already answered this one when you answered one of the other questions. Because it's been so much fun. Yes, thank you. And that is basically home loan, $3 million, offset account, $3 million. Over four years, you withdraw 125000 each year and contribute to super. So over four years, you have withdrawn a million dollars. The SMSF buys a $1 million asset. Can you tax deduct the interest outside of super? And my understanding is that no, you can't. Yeah, and and your understanding is absolutely correct. You know, you can't begin because the, the purpose of the borrowing here is to make a contribution to super. That purpose is a private purpose, non deductible. And now my last question, it comes back to the very start of our conversation, the uh, the distinction between offset account, split account and redraw of a mortgage. I can imagine that a lot of people get this wrong. I can imagine there's a general perception that you can use your offset account to buy an investment property and that that is tax deductible since you use the money for investment purposes. So what can you do when you got this wrong? What can you do when you withdrew the 3 million from your offset account, you bought the asset and now you suddenly realize you can't tax deduct the interest. And this can reside in existential, (laughs) this can reside in an existential crisis because it can throw the entire finance out of the window and really lead somebody to bankruptcy because we're usually talking big numbers over 10, 20 years. What can you do to fix this? And my worry is that you can't really fix it because if you now put a mortgage on the investment asset to pay out the home loan, that mortgage on the investment asset or loan, it doesn't have to be property, it can also be shares or some other asset, but that loan on the investment asset, it was no longer entered to buy the asset. Yeah, the, the, the only substantive solution is to fix the financing in a way which involves a sale event of some sort. And the sale event will have a stamp duty consequence. And if there's been a capital gain in the meantime, there may be some type of claw forward of capital gains tax. It's one of those things which is that the horse is bolted because you're back, kind of looking back to what was the purpose of the borrowing when it was made. So until you've got a new borrowing that you can identify as being for an investment purpose, you're stuck with saying that it's for a private purpose. Yeah, so once the investment asset has been bought, any loan you subsequently put on this investment asset no longer qualifies, correct? Correct. Unless it's a refinance, of course. But if it's not a refinance, yeah. but a, a new loan, 
then it doesn't qualify because you already bought the asset. That's right. Well, you're refinancing a private loan. And if you're refinancing a private loan, that's still a private loan. But if you, for example, if you've got a refinance position because you're doing some capital improvements, for example, then that's that's an opportunity to look at your refinancing. And then you're also looking at you know, putting the money into repay the private loan as quickly as you can and then doing a redraw to enable the funding of the cash flow for the investment property. But overall, yeah, it's you are stuck. And you're particularly stuck because you're looking back at what was that private in the first place. Yeah, if you're in that position, then the only things that you can do is to put new finance in place for capital improvements or to have a sale event, a restructured sale and finance that restructured sale. Offset accounts don't qualify when you use it for an investment asset. It's just different because it's a savings account, essentially. Yes. The offset account is a savings account and, 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 and it enables you to keep the loan in place. But yeah, the, the, the advice that if you're an advisor, what you've got to say is make sure you, you close out your home loan account before you redraw it. And once you've done a redraw, you can then point to that redraw and say that redraw has been done for an investment purpose. Now, it may also be that, you know, if you decided that you went to the ATO and said, look, I've done this, but I think there's no harm, no foul, because if I'd have taken this extra step, then there shouldn't have been a problem. And the ATO, if you are upfront with your disclosure, may also come and say, yes, we, we will agree with you. We'll, we'll let you, you know, we won't take, spend any resources coming to come after you for that. Yeah. So, you know. but, but so the the lesson is basically don't use your home loan for investment purposes. When you want to invest in an investment asset, close out the home loan to the extent that it's paid off and then have an investment loan and then your then your main residence might serve as security in the asset pool, but don't just use your home loan. That's the best the, the best lesson you can draw from this, and, and it helps you as well when you're substantiating. So don't have a mixed loan account. Um, my advice to everybody is always you have one loan account for your private expenses and, and one loan account for your investment expenses. And that way you know that when you're drawing down on either, you know the purpose for which you're drawing down from each. And it's very easy to substantiate if you're reviewed by the tax office. Because I think that's the key lesson. The key lesson is separate accounts. Welcome back. So never use your home loan offset account as such to buy an investment property. Don't just transfer the money out of your offset account. However, you can still use the equity you have in your home and tax deduct the interest if you do one of four things to invest. You either leave your home loan and offset account as is, you don't touch them and you set up an entirely new loan on your investment property. So you have two loans, an old one and a new one. The second option is to create a split loan. So you take the old home loan and split it in two, one part for the home and one part for the investment. And then of course you can tax deduct the interest on the investment. The third option is to pay off your home loan. So you just transfer the funds from your offset account into your home loan account. So your home loan account and your offset account are both zero. And then you redraw from the loan account. But this redraw is now for investment purposes. So you still have the old loan, but it now has a different purpose, an investment purpose. 
And the fourth option is that you just completely close off your home loan and you just start an investment loan. So you just have one loan and that is the new loan. Which of these four options works best for you depends on your bank, the security you can provide and also what you still want to do. If, for example, you want to renovate your home in the future, then it might make sense to keep your home loan as is, even though you can't tax deduct the interest on it. While editing this episode, I realized that there were two scenarios that I forgot to ask Jeff about. The first one, so scenario number 10, is about when you move somewhere else and you rent out your home. Can you tax deduct the interest on your home loan while it is rented out? Scenario 10, you move away and rent out your home. Yeah, the short answer is no. The longer answer is what you've got to do is look at what was the purpose for which the money was borrowed in the first place. And if you did this, if you borrowed money, bought a property, rented it out, and then lived in it for a little while and then rented it out again, then you would be entitled to a deduction initially. You would then pause that deduction while you were at change the purpose for which you were acquired the property, and then you'd be entitled to a deduction again. But when you start off saying, no, I'm borrowing this money for a private purpose, that is to buy a main residence, it doesn't matter if you later on change that purpose. Again, this is one area where there are some competing views on this and yeah, I'm certainly aware that some people take the view, yes, you can claim a deduction for it. I see. And so the ATO hasn't clarified or legislation and case law haven't clarified this question? No, I've, I've seen the ATO take both sides. Really? <laughs> it just depends on which officer you're dealing with. Oh, okay. And quite often how flagrant the taxpayer is breaching other provisions of the act i see so if they kind of have been naughty in many other ways then they take a hard stand and say however you use the asset to start with that will determine your ability to tax deduct interest but if this is the only point of contention then they might be more forgiving and allow a tax deduction is this how it works yeah that's loosely how it works okay with the position you stand for, everything depends on how you start using the property. If you start using it as a main residence and then you move out, then you get the six-year absence rule, etc. But for that, you can't tax deduct interest. But if you start using it as an investment asset and then move in for a period and then move out again, then you can tax deduct it for the times you're not living in the property. That's right, Heidi. It it goes back, I prefer to say it goes more to the purpose for which you borrowed the money rather than the purpose for which you are using the property. But in this example, it means the same thing. And you usually, when you set up the bank loan, you usually have to identify how you're going to use it. I'm pretty sure that the bank will ask you and will document whether this is a main residence or whether this is an investment asset. Yeah, not only that, but it's the place where most people get themselves into trouble and it's the first place the ATO will investigate if you're being reviewed. They'll ask the bank for a copy of their file. And the file would quite clearly say what was the intention of this property and the loan. That's right. And, and if we go one step further, many mortgage brokers don't understand that. Yeah, because it really takes me by surprise. You live in your home, you are seconded overseas, obviously not at the moment, but for that period of time that you can tax deduct 
the mortgage, especially if you continue being an Australian resident for tax purposes and you still pay tax on your overseas income, that you then at least can tax deduct your home loan while you're living overseas. So it takes me by surprise. I understand your argument. It just takes me by surprise. I had expected the opposite. Yeah, the, the logic of it is you've got to look at why was this money borrowed? And when you're renting the property while um, you're living overseas, and particularly if you're electing to reserve the main residence exemption, so you're electing for the six-year rule to apply, then the argument the ATO will have, in my view correctly, is that the primary purpose for which you've borrowed the money is to have a main residence. The mere fact that you're earning money from that main residence while you're living overseas becomes irrelevant. Yes. Actually, Jeff, a more general question. It's the original intention that dominant. So let's say you buy something for private purposes, but then you actually, let's say a car, you buy a car for private purposes, but then you actually, although a car is not a good example because it has specific rules around it. So let's say something else, you buy something for private purposes, but then you actually repurpose it to use it in your company. Does that mean you can never change the purpose of an asset? Unless you, no, no, buy, unless mean, you buy and sell it? doesn't mean that at all. What we're doing is we're looking at what's the purpose for which an outgoing has been incurred. Okay, and that's the loan. That's the loan, yeah, or the, the interest expense relating to the loan. Okay. And so so we're, we're looking specifically at, at what is that. So every time that you have an outgoing, you've got to look what does that outgoing relate to. And this is a little bit why the argument, you know, there is some merit in the argument to say, Yes, I should be entitled to a tax deduction, but but when you think about it logically, no, the, the purpose for the loan was to secure an advantage, which is a private advantage, and therefore the interest shouldn't be deductible. Some people I know, um, when they're faced with that position, they actually go to the trouble of doing a transfer. So when they know they're not going to use it as their main residence anymore, they then refinance and do a transfer internally, whether that's to a trust or to one of the spouses, and they then borrow the money to discharge the loan. But because the borrowing is then to justify an investment purpose, they're entitled to the tax deduction going forward. Yes, but that would only really work if, it, if the transfer doesn't incur stamp duty. Well, sometimes people say they're going to, they're going to pay the stamp duty and on the basis that in areas, in an era of higher interest rates than we currently have, you know, typically they'll recover that with their tax, the stamp duty with their tax deduction over one and a half to two years. But at the moment when interest rates are so low, it's going to take maybe two, three or four years before you can recover that cost. Have you had clients who came to you after this became an issue? Have you had clients who thought they could tax deduct, claimed a tax deduction, and then it all went south and they had big discussions with the ATO? Have you actually seen this playing out in practice? Not in any meaningful way, Heidi. I think, as I said to you before, it has played out a couple of times in different ways in reviews when the ATOs looked at what's happened with interest and, and non-interest. And obviously, if you're acting for someone who, where this has been an issue and the ATO hasn't raised it as being an issue, then you just let it slide. But where the ATO does want to pick it up, it can be you know, a, an interesting point of discussion. 
So it's very similar to um, the issue of Division 7A, which we, you know, in a triangular setting, which we once discussed when the paperwork is missing and all there is is a journal transaction. Very rarely is that raised as a single issue, but it comes up when there's an audit and lots of other issues, then it comes up and hence the same here. Unlikely that the ATO would raise this as the only issue, but once there is a review, then this is just added to the list. Yeah, that's right. I think so. Scenario 11, you move cash around between your investments offset account and your business cash account. So now at scenario 11, no main residence, but only two income producing assets being a business and being an investment asset. And the investment asset has a registered loan on it, let's say a mortgage with an offset account. And now the business sometimes has excess cash. The owner moves the excess cash into the offset account. And then when they need it again, they move it back to the business. Is that an issue with respect to deductibility of the interest on the loan? Yeah, there's no issue for the deductibility of the interest of the loan there because it's a investment purpose. Both of so them. everything that's been borrowed, the whole thing is for a deductible revenue earning purpose and therefore you're entitled to a tax deduction for the interest. As long as it's all investment purposes, it, and it can be several investment purposes, as long as it's all clear of private purposes, then it's fine. You can move the cash around as you see fit. Yep. You've distinguished the private purpose. This is just purely an investment purpose. You manage your, your resources as you can. There's no tax consequence. Awesome. At least that's good news. Welcome back. So even if you rent out your main residence, then the private purpose of your home loan still prevents a tax deduction. That really took me by surprise. But if you stay clear of private purposes and just move cash around various investment loans, then the deductibility of interest is not affected. In the next episode, episode 267, Emily Pritchard of Access will talk about share buybacks. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.